Hello, Zillennials. It is episode nine. Yes, sir. Moving along. Gosh, it's been nine weeks and we've loved every week of it, right, Caden? Except for number five, maybe, whenever it uh, kind of <laughs> came through the laptop hey, speakers. We all learn our lessons. I, I'm true. Caleb Embry. I'm the millennial. And I'm Caden. I am your, well, I'm just a Gen Z. I wouldn't say your favorite. I wouldn't take it that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody appreciates you no matter what, buddy. And that makes me feel good, man. <laughs> and it really needed that because it's Monday, you know? Yes, we are here on a rainy Monday night, which yeah. is a little different for us. Usually we're a Saturday afternoon recording. Mm-hmm. Got off work, kind of brain dead after, like always. Oh, so. yeah. We'll see if I used all my brain power or not. But so, uh so boss you, man is not watching that if you're not using all my <laughs> brain power. <laughs> um you have some travel plans this week, right? Yes, sir. I'm going to California tomorrow. Oh, Cali boy. I'm excited about the weather. Yeah. You're gonna get you're gonna get some sun kissed skin. Uh-huh. You're gonna go to the beach? Yeah. With that six dollar gas. Oh, <laughs> Ew. Yeah, just just put it in a preference. It's like for premium gas here is like three dollars and ten cents, and that's like gas is high right now. Yeah, three ten. Yes. I I remember paying like for un, like just regular regular gas. It, lowest I've ever seen is like a dollar ninety eight. Ooh. So it's just to put it into perspective what we're used to here in Dallas, Texas. Well, I'm sure we are all super excited to hear about your adventures when you come back. Mm-hmm. Probably have some good stories to tell about interesting people I witnessed along the way. Yeah, you're going to get to see, I mean, supposedly a lot of homeless people. Oh, yeah. My sister already told me that they are everywhere. It's not an exaggeration. Gosh, it's a real, it's a real issue. I don't even know how you'd begin to solve such. Stop encouraging it and making it legal. I know, I know. But there still has to be something done about the people themselves. Yeah, but is I've always, people have asked the question, is do people become homeless because now it's just a lifestyle they can live because it's not illegal and it's accepted in those pla- in those communities, you know? That's, that's it, an interesting way to come about it. Because, yeah, there's definitely homeless people who don't have anything and have trouble, but there's also probably some people who's like, well, I'm just going to be homeless now. These are my friends. It's hmm. legal. Have you been getting into anything uh, new lately? Any new habits? Any new... Yeah. <laughs> I started writing with my left hand. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I mean, my handwriting with my left hand is not the worst in the world. People can't see, but no. you can. It, it It's it's definitely on like that... That, that fourth vo- grader level. Fourth? Maybe I was second. gonna go. I was gonna go third. Maybe I was gonna second. hit the middle. Yeah, I was gonna say third grade. Okay. Well, that's something. Because it is like very like linear. Like your consistencies are are consistent. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I think playing instruments has helped me because it really wasn't that much. I mean, it's definitely an adjustment, and I'm still working on it. But it was easier than I thought it would be. You know, you see some people start trying to write with their other hand, and it just looks like scribbles. Well, I'm sure that's how it starts. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, definitely. And the reason why I did it was because whenever I'm at work or at home, I'm usually at the computer working or playing video games or something like that. So I don't like to take my hand off the mouse. So I just started (laughs) using my left hand and I'm just going to keep it up. It's worked. Out of laziness, a new talent is born. Is it laziness or productivity? (sighs) Or a mix of both? I do 
feel as though laziness sometimes is in the heart of most great inventors. Yeah. Because, I mean, how? what about the back scratcher? <laughs> There's just like, <laughs> yo, I don't got no honey to scratch my back. I can't scratch my back. And I'm not going to get up to scratch my back on something. I need like a an elongated fork. I never thought about that, that that's how that came to be. <laughs> it had to be. It had to be, right? Yeah, something along those lines. <laughs> Who knows? I actually took my first archery lesson oh, on, yeah? sa- on Saturday. How was yeah. that? Not a compound bow, just like fundamentals. And it, it was pretty good. We were shooting like 20 yards, mm-hmm. 30 yards. I mean, it was really hard to hit the 30-yard mark. Yeah. But that's just because I've got... You know, I'm, I don't have any pounds of pressure. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm shooting a gun that's also a bow. Yeah, you have to, like, yeah, use dude. force to do it. Yes. I'm actually looking into some bows, and, and maybe what would what would it take to make your own? Oh, dude. I, you so. know, I made, I made one as a kid. It didn't work, but it was a <laughs> thought that counted. I bent a stick and then tied it with some string. So I'm like, I don't think it was string. It was, some, it was a little stretchier, you know, but... Well, not very. It didn't work. <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's just because it was a stick and a string, or I don't know how bows work at all. It's really complex. You really have to do it perfect to make mm-hmm. it uh, like shoot far at all. If you yeah. do it wrong, then it affects the distance. But that's something interesting and new that I'm that I'm trying to take on is archery. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. I also, I'm about to start getting my pilot's license. I've always wanted to fly. Oh. So, see what happens. Yo. If you don't hear from me, man. Flyboy over here. <laughs> Something along those lines. Well, is it you or is it Richardson that wants to fly? Mr. Richardson. Well, see, uh, Mr. Richardson would just sit in the back of the private jet. So, it's just me who wants oh, okay, to fly, okay. you know. It's the working man, Caden, that wants to fly. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Also, I've been really getting into meditation and meditation through stretching. So a lot of people are like, oh, what do you mean, like yoga? Not really, because I'm not following any poses. I'm just mentally prepping myself to, like, get into a mental space every night before bed. Yeah, it, I mean, you, we've talked about it before. It definitely works, like, for me, because I have pretty bad insomnia most nights. Just do. I don't know mm-hmm. why. But that really helps because it takes your mind off of whatever it's racing on. You're just focused on the pain of the stretching, you know? Right. We've said before in this this podcast, I would consider myself an overthinker. So a lot of times if I'm up late, it's because I'm thinking like I just can't turn my brain off. It's turning and it's turning in ways I don't even want it to go. Like it's just running astray. So through meditation and then using stretching as like this physical cue to spark meditation, it really helps me just narrow my thoughts down to, oh, dang, my legs really hurt. right Yeah. You Definitely know, takes you down to the fundamental level and then opens you up to being able to, to to shut everything off. Yeah, I've I neglected stretching for a long time. I still can't touch my toes, but I mean, you see how much closer <laughs> I've gotten over the past several months from stretching. I recommend everyone to stretch at least 10 minutes a night, you know, stretch everything, you know, because a lot of times issues you have like I used to go to the chiropractor quite a bit. And it worked, but nothing helped me feel better as much as stretching did, you know? Yeah. I remember your chiropractor days. Dude, you don't got to you, you, you swore that I was giving you better grip strength. 
Because the guy like tested you the first day. Stop. I don't need to hear about this for the 50th time. (laughs) All right. Well, for our audience, you go to to the chiropractor. They won't just straighten your back. They'll help your grip strength as well. Well, I I think there's some truth to that. As much as a lot of chiropractors are just a gimmick, (laughs) I think there's some truth to when you're, I don't know, any joint. Or I think it'd be more muscle, honestly, being Mm -hmm. tight. And then once that gets released, uh, it's because your body's all connected and it's all kind of a pulley system. So if you have like a tight hip, that'll start to creep up into your back and your shoulder and stuff. So I I, don't know. I mean, I've been to the chiropractor. I've experienced some really great things like just, you know, my hips being out of line Mm -hmm. and just that contributing to like injuries during basketball, which I love to play. So I'm definitely a fan of, of chiropractors, but not I've never been to a chiropractor like the ones I see on like Instagram. Oh, stuff. I wish that. Do they boost the audio on those? They have to. I think so because those are like audible. If it's like you could hear it from like the the room <laughs> next to it, it's so loud. There's no way your bones are doing that wait unless they're snapping in half. Wait till one of those Instagram influencer chiropractor gets exposed for fake fake noises <laughs> added on. One of the things that I've never experienced at a chiropractor is whenever they like put your head into like a like a like a pool mm-hmm. and oh, they I've and they and they videos. pull the rope and you're <laughs> and it's like how is your head just like not popping straight off of your your spine? I don't know, man. But like, that's like that's part of it is they're trying to relieve all that pressure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an interesting thing. Yes. I wonder I wonder where, who invented it. I mean, we got Google right here. But, I mean, who just sat there and was like, watch this. He's like, whoa. That's I don't crazy, know. I probably, usually when it goes back to, like, the inventors or the people who came up with the concepts, I've heard that those people are not very credible people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the root of oh chiropractor that's all some woo woo stuff yeah. comes from the history of chiropractic began in 1895 when daniel david palmer of iowa performed the first chiropractic adjustment on a partially deaf janitor yada 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 this is just from wikipedia did it heal his deafness um i'm reading surely not surely not. he said he noticed he had a vertebrae out of position and uh heard pop in my back and he lost his hearing from that <laughs> said he can hear the rackets on the street interesting yeah i'm sure that i'm sure the stories uh, of that goes a little deeper yeah probably that's just the yeah, yeah, first thing sure. that pops up i wonder how much trial and error was involved in the beginning days oh my <laughs> gosh that's terrifying <laughs> to think about yeah, i don't know if there was x-rays in 1895 it's I mean, kind cameras. of like it's kind of like when somebody told me i i don't know if this is true or not but it was like the chainsaws mm-hmm. were not originally invented to cut down wood, like to cut down trees. It, it was to for amputate people. It was for yes, but in a very specific procedure called pregnancy. Oh, huh. so I mean, you can use your imagination <laughs> of what exactly that means uh, pertaining to a chainsaw, but that's devastating. I mean. A little bit. <laughs> okay. All right. Let, let, let's dive into the book. This is part two on our series, The Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. We went over the first two levels of leadership, positional and the permissional uh, stages. 
So now we're going to go over the production phase and the people development stage. It, maybe to go back to last week, was there anything that stuck out to you that like you were like, dang, that, that's really good? Like one taking point or maybe a few? Um, really, it was the fact for me, when you're put in that first leadership position, all that is is being invited to the table. You know, mm-hmm. just because you're given a leadership position doesn't mean you're you've you've earned anything above that. You have to push yourself. You know, just because you're put in that position doesn't mean people think you're going to be a good leader. It just means they're giving you a shot. Right. E- even if you're not uh, at the table necessarily or given a leadership position, still, you know, act as though you are, you know, hold yeah. yourself to that kind of standard. And, and before you know it, you will get invited to that table. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because you don't even, you don't even have to be in a leadership position to be a leader. You can be a leader at any, and it doesn't even have to be in business. You can be a leader at any step, any walk of life, you know, sure. just are, are you motivating people and encouraging people? One of the uh, things that I took away from last week was John Maxwell talks about these five levels of leadership being applicable in a many different ways. Like this is not a graduation process. You're not a positional leader. And then suddenly you graduate to the permission level. This is leadership levels on all fronts. You have to walk these five levels out with your peers, you know, to help lead them. And hopefully you're leading each other as well as the people that are working underneath you, with you, and above you. And then also yourself, which is really important. You yourself can recognize, oh, well, I have a positional leadership style at the moment. Now I need to graduate within myself to know I'm even capable of getting up to that fifth level. Mm-hmm. So that was something I really took away from last week. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it what I've realized is it's based on a, it's it's kind of your own mental thing, you know. You're you're never gonna succeed and grow if that's not your plan. You know, you can't just say, "Oh, well, I'm here. I'm gonna move on. If I'm gonna move on eventually." It, when you get into that leadership position, it's all what you make of it at that point. It's a you're given the opportunity, and from then on out, you have to you have to make it from there. There is definitely a turning point. I feel like in any leader's life where they accept the call. You know, I, I talked about in the past about whenever I was 14 and somebody came up to me and was like, hey, you know, you're a leader, right? Here's some resources to support that. I had not made the, the decision to be to take on the responsibility of leadership. It was just something that was naturally happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're both the oldest of our siblings. So that's probably where it all started for us. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because I was definitely definitely helping my siblings at a younger age you know like don't do that you know i trust me i, I know from experience don't do that here's what you can do to fix it things like that and, you know? and your parents probably gave you that first level of leadership yeah of position you know the, you're the eldest and i hold you responsible so that is leadership at mm-hmm. a very young age yeah they gave me the they were like you need to tell your siblings this to help them get better you know you know, or they said you should, well, it was more or less, they don't listen to us. Maybe they'll listen to you kind of thing, you know, because <laughs> no, who listens to their parents when they're 14? Not very many people. So when it comes to this third level, the production level, we've already come in positionally. We, we've been given authority by someone and that's how we're able to talk to, you know, let's say with the relationship we're trying to build. 
And then right through that, through our position, we leverage a relationship. We start to ask them about their personal life and build a real relationship in that way. That way we're able to invest that time and ask for it back right whenever we're coming to this this third stage, which is the production level. Mm-hmm. We've built the foundation together. I am your biggest fan. You're my biggest fan. And now we're going to try to produce a lot. Yeah. Um, what, I, what I've noticed, and it stuck out to me, is John, John Maxwell said, just because you're productive doesn't mean you're a leader, you know, and your personal success doesn't necessarily mean team success. So when you start to get to this level, it really starts to become more about your team and helping them, you know, because, you know, you can be you can still be I would say at this level, you're probably still in the day to days a bit more doing more. But you have to you have to start to realize you can't spend all your time there and investing in the people is is now becoming your main job at this stage. Yes, the doing is just not as important as as teaching and multiplying yourself and having those deep and meaningful relationships with coworkers as well as any other realm you're trying to to have influence in. Mm-hmm. And one one thing he said that really stuck out to me, which I've started to notice after I heard this, it started to make a lot of sense is don't assume when you're a leader. You know, you'll sometimes you'll hear your manager or your boss. They'll they'll tell you the same things like, I already know. That's why you're telling this to me, you know, and that's because they don't they shouldn't assume you already know that, you know, because then that kind of falls on them. Does that does that make sense? Definitely. And good leaders over communicate. Good leaders want to make sure that there is no gaps in your expectation or your expectation for them and their expectation for you. Mm-hmm. That's that's massive when it comes to building up a rapport with someone is what's your expectation of your position? What are you trying to get out of this? What's your five year plan? That's how you start to establish those roots into that second level of leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you get to the third level, it starts to becoming he talked about you can either shrink your vision or stretch the people. You need to take your people out of their comfort zone. And well, first off, when you take yourself out of your comfort zone, that's when growth happens. Because if you're out of your comfort zone, that means you don't know something and you're going to grow from it. You know, Um, he talked about risk. And I just wanted to touch on this because I think risk is one of the most important things in life. If you don't take risk, I mean, what what are you doing? You know, like you're going to be in a bubble forever. You know, that's how the best companies were started. People, You take a risk to start a company. You take a risk to do a lot of things. I mean, you take a risk when you get in your car and drive, you know. Definitely. Life's full of risks, so why don't you, why don't you take more? And when you're at this stage, you should have trust. You, you definitely will have trust with your, your team because you've begun to build that, and now you're getting into the personal aspects of it. So if they trust you and it's like, hey, you know, we're going to – going to be stretching pretty far we're going to try some new things you know they already they already have faith in you don't give them a reason to lose it yeah all this is very stackable and the reason why i feel like this is such a hard call for for any leader is that these five levels of leadership are for each individual on your team and you and the culture of your department so it sounds like quite the undertaking to be like i have to build these five principles with five people plus really understand where I'm trying to go with the department or the company or in a certain relationship. It's a really hard thing to keep track of, 
But once you stack all of that in nice and neatly the way that you're supposed to, you can create a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. And momentum is really where you're getting at with the third level of leadership. You're demanding results and they're willingly given to you because you've led by example. Mm-hmm. I think to me, that's that's the biggest thing is you as a leader. And I think over the last three books we've read, what I've learned the most is that you invest in your people and the momentum will build in the productivity and everything you're asking for will follow. So as you get on your leadership journey, you're, you're still for the most part in a positional role. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have greater levels of leadership with individuals with our team. Yeah. But once you start getting into more traditional management positions, which if you guys still don't know, me and Caden work together. Yes, sir. We do so, in these houses. Yeah, exactly. Drawing houses. And so as you start to build and the team becomes more abundant underneath you, what do you think your role is going to be in this momentum? I think it's going to be basically what you did to me, which was you shoved all this information into my brain and helped you multiplied yourself basically you gave all of these ideas and ways to think you know you kind of it's your responsibility as a leader to shape the vision so i i know what i'm looking for in myself so in a way because everyone's different but you still want to kind of put that same mindset into people and it's all about for me what can i do to get this mindset into people's head of this is we're, we're here as a team and we're going to we're going to grow and we're going to have this infinite mindset of, you know, you don't you don't want to hold anything back. You know, I've I've always been fo- coming forward with any ideas I had or anything like that. And I and I want to encourage that for people, you know, have an open environment. You know, does that make sure. sense? Yes. Yes, it definitely makes sense. Uh, I would say absolutely. That is absolutely where I'm coming from, trying to multiply myself in in the company that we work for. But also, when it comes to momentum, it's finicky. Sometimes momentum will reverse on you, uh-huh. and suddenly your team's not going for, for uh, forward. So then you've got to ask yourself, well, as a leader, what you know, what did I do to cause that to happen? Well, maybe you didn't take care of some of those roadblocks for the momentum to keep on going. Uh-huh. So for me, as what you said, absolutely, with growing the team, multiplying myself, creating momentum in the first place, but also keeping it. Yeah. I've got to see into the future as a leader and say, there are some bumpy roads ahead. So I'm going to I'm going to go forward and I'm going to take care of things. That way, whenever we get to that point in the road, it's not going to be as bumpy anymore. Yeah. And I think if you don't provide that, that future vision you're you'll end up stagnant everyone will just kind of oh okay well this is what we're doing we're going to keep doing this there's nothing to look forward to or dread in the future you know there's not a challenge of any kind any change of pace and you'll become stagnant and then eventually everything just becomes still you know there's no more momentum at all people are bored you know Mm -hmm. i would say i find myself in the third phase of leadership with people in relationships more often than not uh-huh. Like that's usually, I would say, the average of where I stand with a lot of people uh-huh. is the production level. Yeah, I I was sitting there thinking, I don't know what you think, but when it comes to the level four leadership and developing people into leaders, is 
do you think that that's kind of something you can do for everybody or there's people you think okay this person has potential and that's who we're going to multiply is there ever any time whenever you've had to make a decision as to who you know Mm, definitely um i would say the fourth level of leadership applies to everyone but how far i can go on that level with someone it depends on the person. Okay, that makes sense. Because to a certain extent, you're always training someone. You're always trying to get the best out of them and, and helping them hopefully believe in themselves uh-huh. if they don't already. And so sometimes that you can only go so far with someone. Yeah. And then every once in a while, you'll meet somebody who's like, oh, I want it all. Yeah. I don't just want what I need to do. I don't just want what it's going to take to do the task. I want to know the mindset behind it, like what you were saying. I want to know how to make these decisions on a high level. Those people accept the call eventually, and Uh they run through the five levels of leadership with everything they do. There are some people who you just have a level of leadership with them, and the expectation that they have for themselves and you have for them is they're not trying to multiply themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. He talked about it a little bit, that everyone has some kind of leadership potential, but everyone gets capped out at a certain point. And I guess when you're at level four and such, you just have to realize how far you can take someone because, and it's not because they may not be capable. They just may not want to. Right. And then what, what's the point of wasting time and effort on someone who just doesn't want to do it? Well, I think going with those people, even though they may have capped themselves or, or just said, you know, I'm not really into this at the level that you want me to be. It's still, I'm still leading those people all the yeah. time. You know, it's I'm still going through the levels with them as far as they'll let me. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I was. That's kind of what I was getting at is um, because some people just don't want to do it. So, I mean, for sure. I mean, I've experienced many people uh, like that and I've experienced many people the other way that are just like take to it and they want more and more leadership. They want more and more influence. But there are absolutely people who once they taste influence, they're like, this is a little much. Yeah. You know, I don't really want to be responsible for another person's mistake. Yeah. And whenever you're a manager or a leader, that's inevitable. You're going to have to answer for mistakes that your team has made and how you and your team respond. Uh, I mean, that's where you get the worth. Uh huh. I, I definitely have struggled with that a little bit. I'll cause I've started to gain, like I, like I was saying a minute ago, I may not be a leader in position, but there's definitely people who come to me in different departments and ask questions and things like that. And a you, lot of times... I would say you're definitely experiencing leadership exactly where you're at. It's only going to make the transition to more managerial roles mm-hmm. easier. Yeah, but just like I was saying, like you don't have to be in a leadership position to be a leader. And oh, I'm, for sure. I'm not for really sure. in a leadership position, but okay. I lead some people in certain ways. Yeah, I'm with you, know? you now. So... I, I've always wondered like, oh, sometimes someone will ask me something like, oh, I don't, I don't really feel like making that, that call, man. You got to go ask someone else about that one. You know, I definitely think that there's also a virtue in that to a certain extent. You don't ever want to be like, I don't want to make that decision. But Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to know your place and you don't want to be that overstepping. I was like, I thought it would help. And I was like, you messed all this up. I mean, definitely be wise about it, but there's for sure... Like for myself, I definitely make decisions pretty regularly that like, you know, I'm going to try to educate myself to the best of my ability, ask people's advice, but I'm willing to live with the decision I make, Uh good or bad. And 
there's been times where it's gone bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it that's part of just the leadership experience, in my opinion, is it's not always going to be great. But that's that's why you get paid a little more mm-hmm. is because it's not always going to go off good. Yeah. I, I was kind of more leaning towards the fact that it's, it's, it's okay to not know everything as a leader. And you can be like, oh, I don't know if I want to make that decision. Let's go ask around let's go talk a little bit let's see what other people think too right, you know, be, be transparent mm-hmm. Definitely. there's de- there's a virtue in that i think for sure all right so i think that kind of sums up the third level every everything that you you would really need to deep dive into but we definitely recommend this book because oh, he sure. goes he goes in hard on these and we're just honestly this is surface level stuff mm-hmm. all right so the fourth level which we've talked through quite a bit, which is the people development level. And we usually refer to it as multiplication. You know, whenever you earn the trust with someone, you have position over or with someone and you guys are producing at a high level together. Now it's time to multiply your thought process. You know, how to handle certain situations. Or maybe even you as the leader you're going to get your thought processes reformed too by this person challenging you and saying, well, if you're going to teach me your mindset, you better think through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. What what he focused on was at this point, only about 20% you're focused on yourself. You're at this point, you're highly developed and the 20% you're focused on yourself. I think that that's more just learning from experiences you've had with different people and things like that. At this stage, you're really focused on other people and developing them. You know, you don't really, at this stage, I don't think you have much time to focus on yourself or be a doer because people take a lot of energy. This is, this is, in my opinion, one of the hardest levels to get to because you have to kind of sacrifice the doer in you, the person who wants to shine. Like, it's not about you at all. You've got to kind of stop doing and producing these things that have made you prominent in mm-hmm. people's eyes. And and all of a sudden, you're just investing in people. You're not really doing the thing that you signed up. In our case, it's designing homes and drafting homes. I don't really draft that much anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I draft, you know, maybe three days out of the week. Or may, maybe. If that. If that. I do a lot of research. We have one-on-ones. We got tons of meetings. It's not about me in trying to shine and get numbers and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Now it's all like I take the greatest pride in the team when they hit goals, when they hit numbers. And I would assume that that's how most leaders feel once you get to the fourth level of leadership with your team. Maybe Maybe it's a shock for some people when they get there. Because they don't have that satisfaction of, oh, I met the goals. The leaders above them will see, oh, well, the team's doing good. So that means you're doing good. Your performance and your rating comes in kind of a different way. In my opinion, it's easy to become so vulnerable in this stage that you because you've wrapped your identity into what you do. Mm -hmm. Because you're not designing, because you're not drafting, in my case you feel as though you're not really bringing that much value. Uh-huh. You're not producing numbers, but you've got to put yourself in a position of, if I'm not helping these guys take out the road bumps in front of us, well, then they're not going to get the numbers that they really can get. Mm-hmm. And so you have to find a lot of, of pride in, in the team itself. I also think when you get to this point, the 
you have to realize the people are the most valuable thing. And when you invest in the people, the numbers are going to follow, you know, you're, you're creating the people and multiplying yourself to have people who make the same numbers, if not better than you. And, you know, that's, that's what you did, you know, like, Hey, this guy didn't know anything when he walked in the door and now look what he's doing. You know, that's, when you're a leader, it's it, there's no instant gratification anymore like there is when you're a doer. It's like, oh, I got this project done. It's done. You know, you have to sit and see these processes out and see these people grow. And I think in the end, that provides more satisfaction than just, you know, completing a project or something like that. And really, it's it's your responsibility as a senior leader to have a good picture of the big goals, the big vision, the big picture. And it's hard to paint the big picture when you're looking through the same binoculars as your team. Uh-huh. Like you're only looking at numbers and you're only trying to truck along a day at a time, a week at a time. You should be thinking yearly. And if you're not thinking yearly, then you're not going to be able to cast the vision to your team and use all this influence that you've been gaining through walking through these five levels of leadership on a personal level with everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wrote in big letters and circled it, the infinite mindset, because when you get to this level, that's really where you should be is in this infinite mindset of, oh, I don't want to cap the organization because say you were the best that was ever there, you know, well, I don't want to cap the organization and they're not going to get anything better. I'm going to make myself and make better versions of myself if I can. You know, it's the infinite mindset of keeping the team going, you know, not just doing for the team anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely agree. And this this stage, I don't I don't know if there's too much to say about it just because there's not a lot you can do except pitch for the future, Mm -hmm. you know, and and really stop concentrating on your individual stats and start thinking on a department level, you know, graduate your thinking from I'm not just an individual on this team that's performing and trying to earn influence and respect now somehow I've gained the influence in this department and I'm responsible for the future. Mm -hmm. When you said don't focus on their stats, I kind of thought like their stats are now your stats. You know, it's not about your individual stats, but their stats are yours because that's your team. So what can you do to invest in the people to help them become more productive, you know? Right. In our jobs, what, what we do when we draft production homes we have like a time limit Mm -hmm. whenever the order comes to us we have a time limit on when we can get that back out to get uh, a permit to be built whenever i first became a a manager i think we were at geez maybe seven days six Mm -hmm. or seven days per project and what are we sitting at now like three at most i mean our average is like one and a half to two now yeah so man i don't have anything to do with the work that happens there, but I have everything to do with, with collaborating with the team so that we can achieve that three day mark instead of that six day mark. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't have happened unless someone took on the mindset of, I'm not just a doer. I need to get everybody's collective mind together so we can get better. Mm -hmm. And not only were you working with your team, you're working with other teams too. You have to grow people who maybe you're not even directly in charge of and work in completely different departments, you know? Well, I mean, that's a big one because you're not, 
I, you're not really able to get into the fourth level whenever it's someone that you're not going to train. Mm-hmm. At that point, you're really just trying to communicate your heart for for the vision. And you're just saying, can we collaborate so that we can come up with a solution together? Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to teach you how to do your job because you're in a different department. I'm just going to emulate the mindset and mm-hmm. see what happens. Yeah, for sure, man. You got anything else for this one? I don't have too much more. No, I, I don't have anything for the fourth level. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy this book a lot. And, oh. the, and, and next week we're going to get into the fifth level, which is the pinnacle. Boom. The top of the top, man. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote and then put an exclamation point, believe in people. Because that's what you have to do at this stage. You have to put your belief in people because it's not about you anymore. Mm, that's good, Caden. That's solid. Yeah, man. All right. So heading into the end of the podcast here, but I kind of wanted to hit on, on the music, man. Because oh, you, yeah. you're the music man. That's me. I made the intro song <laughs> for this podcast. And if you see the same riff on an album, don't be surprised because I really like the riff. <laughs> and I'm going to use it somewhere. Yeah, you and your alter ego, uh, Richardson. Uh, I wanted to ask what you guys are listening to lately. Oh, what have I been listening to? Yeah, hmm, let's pull up. Let's pull up the Spotify. Real yeah, quick. While, while you're looking, I'll go ahead and tell you my favorite artist, John Mayer, has come out with a new album called Sob Rock, and I'm I, I really enjoy it. The only song I don't like is titled "Why You No Love Me." It just sounds like a troll, man. It sounds like broken <laughs> English, but the all the other lyrics in the song is so great. It just once he sings it, I I just gotta get over it. Usually yeah. that that's usually how it is with John Mayer songs. I I, I kind of like I hold him to such a high expectation. It's hard for him to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes it takes me a few weeks to get into it. Yeah. So I listen to everything possible, pretty much. But the way I listen to music is I'll get an album. And I'll just listen to it over and over and over and over again until I just cannot listen to it anymore. <laughs> so lately I've been listening to Into the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers by oh, Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, dang. Dude, I, I love hip-hop too, man, not just rock and roll. Oh. Super Unknown by Soundgarden. I've, had, I've been listening to that album over and over again for about three months now. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of Michael Jackson. I don't know why, but Michael Jackson definitely is pretty good wow you're in a pretty rare space i feel like right now dude i go everywhere like just a like just a few weeks ago it was like steely dan and then the black keys you know it 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 goes everywhere like i'll listen to everything you know it's not like i'm not so defined to one genre i mean i think that makes you a better musician too the more places you can take inspiration from sure um i would say two songs that i've been well maybe three I got three songs that have I've just been wearing out. How big is your brain? By Super American. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds like a crazy song, but it is great. It's so good. Um, let's see. As I'm fading into you by Belvins, which that's that's the song that you ask about. Um, and then Baby Blue by Grayscale. Mm. They all kind of have that like punk rock, yeah, angsty vibe, which is my vibe. Yeah. I, the vibe from, cause music has spoke, speaks to me in a different way than it does most people. Like any, any emotion I'm feeling that's like, I don't know what to do with this. I just put it in headphones. That's how I fix it. You know, 
it, that's how it's always been. So certain songs, and I've always been weird because people are like, why you like this song? It's like, I can show you the three seconds that make me like this song. There's usually one specific moment. I'm like, ooh, that's cool. I'm going to actually mm. steal that and put it in my own song. And that's, that's where the best songs come from. <laughs> oh, and I've also been listening to Foo Fighters a lot. I've been on a 90s. Ooh. I've been on a pretty big 80s and 90s. Well, Foo Fighters is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've heard in some of my songs. I've got a lot of 90s grunge influence with the chords and stuff like that. Dude, are you on Spotify yet or what? No, because we don't have a singer. Oh, dang. We've got a decent amount of lyrics, but no singer. So, But you know what is on Spotify? This. That Zillennial yeah. podcast song <laughs> is on Spotify. <laughs> Okay, so okay, I've got a question. This is this this can be my random question of the day. All right. So, in your opinion, this is going to be polarizing, bro. Probably. You you if you and, say and, in my opinion yeah. to me, it's yeah. probably in, polarizing. In your opinion, I'll answer mine as well. Mine's going to be people are going to rip me for mine. What is the greatest song ever written? Ever written. E- ever written. Any, well, you, it, there's no time frames. It could be anything. You know my favorite band's Led Zeppelin, so I have to say Stairway to Heaven. You just have to. I mean, but that one, that yeah. one, that that's the one that Led Zeppelin wrote that should be remembered for all time. Yeah, because I mean it's always been the one that's been remembered for all time. <sighs> that's heavy, bro. Dude, it's it's got so much, and I think more than anything, it's not just the word. Well, the words are kind of meaningless to that song, but it's just all four members are playing so honestly you know they're singing mm-hmm. robert plant's singing honestly and everyone else is playing very honestly and you can hear that in the music you know they right. never played to a click track either sure john bonham was a metronome <laughs> my answer of course is the john mayer song so don't 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 kill me too hard but um slow dancing in the burning room dude that I, not i mean musically fantastic like, but absolutely fantastic. Lyrically, on another level. But whenever you combine them, he's speaking about a time in a relationship when you know it's over, mm-hmm. but you're still in it and you're dancing in a burning room together. Yeah. And it's just so vivid to me. I don't know why. Yeah. It's just, it, that's a song that speaks to me every time I listen to it. Yeah. I think you could argue that that whole album, Continuum, is one of the best albums ever. I, I mean, did, I didn't say that. That was you. Yeah, you I mean, that. it's one of the. I don't know one song on that album that I <sighs> was like, I don't like this. That song just that made much. me so happy. <laughs> it just made me so happy that. You and you know, that. by the way, whenever I said Stairway to Heaven is the best, it's mm. not my favorite Led Zeppelin song. Oh well, okay, okay. For everybody to know, what what's what's the best Led Zeppelin song? I don't know. I couldn't put. I could give you. I could probably give you a top five. I couldn't give you one because oh. it's that's too hard, man. There's so many good Achilles? ones. Achilles. Achilles is up there. No quarters up there. Um, Achilles is up there for me because I don't even I'm not even a huge you know oldies like killing it fan and I know Achilles yeah I mean that song's if you got the time to listen to it to, listen <laughs> it's, it's over 11 minutes long and it's about Robert Plant's car crash but that that song's pretty up there too and just the the energy in that song is pretty heavy um oh what other Led Zeppelin songs see I I know all the Led Zeppelin songs. You could play any one, and I could tell you what it is within the first two seconds of listening to it. Um, Cashmere's up there, obviously. So, so a quick little announcement for the audience out there. 
we're getting really close probably within the next few months of doing a youtube channel and bringing in some visuals what i, I know it's we're a surprise we're, we're we're getting some some equipment and uh you know it's probably gonna be pretty trashy the first couple of times but we're gonna give it a shot yeah man why not yeah it's gonna be really really fun and maybe we can play some games like you know what what zeppelin songs is this mm-hmm. here's here's three seconds identify and then you somehow give me a song that fades up and doesn't start for like 10 <laughs> seconds. You can't get really here for like 10 seconds. That's how I lose. And then do some hot ones type stuff, you know, just some hot wings challenge. I think we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, I get some guys from work. Definitely want to expand the Selenial universe. Oh, yeah. A little bit, you know, because we're not just uh, talking heads. We've got other things going on mm-hmm. for Quite- sure. Yeah, other things like door dashing food and watching Netflix, you know. <laughs> Don't expose my life. <laughs> I also do archery, yes. okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of the fifth one off the top of my head. I, it'll probably come to me because there's, there's so many Led Zeppelin songs to choose from. I just couldn't give them to you, man. Mm. Random fact. Paluto, okay, the former planet. Has the same surface area as Russia. Yeah, it's just proof it's not a planet because that's not very. <laughs> that's big. not very big, but pretty cool though. Pretty yeah. cool little fact. They, it's it's really close, like mm-hmm. almost the exact same. That's that's pretty cool. People are like, oh, Pluto's not a planet. It should have never. Pluto is a planet. It's like it should have never been a planet because it's not a planet. You know, there's other. I think there's other dwarf planets that are bigger than Pluto, and they're not considered a planet. <laughs> right. Fun fact about. Neptune. This is all stuff I've learned today, by the way. You're listen <laughs> so, to space podcast? Yeah, ne- Neptune, right? Neptune was discovered not by a telescope like, oh, what the heck is that? That looks like a planet. No, it was all by the math. Oh, really? From the existing planets. And they I were did like, hear about that. If, if the planets are doing this orbit, there has to be one that's over there at this time mm-hmm. and they looked and it was there yeah that's Isn't pretty that cool freaking nuts uh-huh well didn't uh who was it that calculated how far the sun was using math and they were like pretty close for the time was it pythagoras pythagoras i don't know i'm not sure but that did happen i'm pretty sure oh i'm gonna google that one so i don't <laughs> sound like sound like idiots i'm sorry i can't confirm your data okay <laughs> I don't even gonna Copernicus. Try to say that. I don't even gonna try to say Is that. it Copernicus? No, it's, try try to say that. Oh my gosh. Erathesis. Is that is that good? I don't know, man. Don't cancel us for being <laughs> racist, please. Erathesis. We're it's we're not trying to mispronounce it. <laughs> if someone knows, if someone's Greek, please let me know how to say that. Well, I think today was a pretty a pretty good one, a pretty chill one. We yeah. didn't dive too hard. But it's also Monday. That's so. true. You you caught us on a Monday. <laughs> but, hey, when we come back, you'll hear about the California Adventures and our last part in this series of the Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. We'll be talking about the pinnacle uh, level, which is the fifth level, and probably just a brief uh, overview of kind of our thoughts in the book. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. See you next week. Peace. <laughs>